Hello and welcome to Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church located in Fremont, California. It is our prayer that today's broadcast will be a blessing to you. Let us prepare our hearts to hear the word of the Lord. God is good. There's only a few of y'all said he was good, so he's good. All right, I'm putting this in my back pocket. I'm not stealing this. I actually own it. I left it up here last time. Anyway, I'm just excited to be here today. Some of you guys are excited to have me. Some of you are not, but that's okay. I usually have a line I use when I'm at certain places. I said I've been kicked out of nicer places, but I haven't really. God is good. I want to just say I'm excited to share the word with you today. You know... It's been a long time. I bet many of you probably can't guess how many years it's been since I stood in this pulpit. It's been over 10 years since I've been in this pulpit. I was uh, moved here. Well, hey, you guys know I served here as youth pastor, young adult pastor, associate pastor. Then I was called to Kansas City. I was there for nine months. Oh, I'm sorry. Nine years, three months, 13 days. And I'm serious. But God is good. He delivers us from all kinds of stuff. You know, sometimes we look at those things and we say, wow, how did you make it through that struggle? How did you do that? Well, I didn't do it. God brought me through it. And and when we understand that we do all that through him, then we have a better understanding of who we are in this life that God has entitled. Yeah, he's entitled us to this. Praise God. Well, I got a call this week from, well, no, it was last week from Pastor Murphy. And he says, we want you to come and preach at South Bay. I says, wow, it's only been 10 years. I guess they couldn't find nobody else. So they said, so they said here he comes. Let him come and preach to us. Don't worry. I'm not going to forget you on this side. God is good like that. Everybody's included. God wants us all to be on the throne listening to what he has to say and how he's going to work through us. I'm going to share a message with you today. It's called Contents Under Pressure. Some of you guys might be able to relate to that. Some of you may not. But it's my prayer that God will just peak, tweak your curiosity and allow you just to experience it. So right now, would you please join me in a word of prayer? Father, in Jesus' name, the name that through every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he's Lord. God, I praise you this morning. I thank you, God, for the opportunity to speak. Lord, I'm asking for your blessing. I'm asking that you anoint every word from my lips. Lord, I'm praying that you would use me this right now in your precious name. Lord, let not the words be mine, but let them be yours. I pray, God, that you would saturate my heart with your spirit and allow it to speak, Lord. Not my head, but my heart, Lord. I pray, God, for the purging of anything that's foreign, anything that you don't want said, I want you to purge it right now in Jesus' name. And then, God, I pray for guidance through this process. I ask that you touch every ear and develop every heart that you want to share a word with today. So God, in your hands, I commit myself from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet, Lord, asking you to manifest yourself through what we're about to do. So it's in your precious name and guidance I ask it all. Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord again, because he's worthy of praise. Yeah, give him praise. It's okay. It's okay. Last Sunday, about this time, I was, well, no, it was a little earlier than this. I was at home, and I was tweaking my message for a sermon that I was going to preach at this other church. 
And uh, I got a call from my places of business. Right now, I'm, a, I'm currently the director of spiritual care at Emmanuel Medical Center, which I call God With Us Hospital. It's a real interesting place to work. Never is there a day that's the same. It's always something different. It takes on a life of its own each and every day. But this particular day, I got a call, and it was uh, and on Sundays, I rarely get a call, so that was why I was preparing a message, or at least my message was prepared. I was just trying to tweak it to make sure that it would meet whatever God had called me to do. They were on the phone, and the doctor said, please, Robert, can you come down to the hospital? We need you now. I said, uh-oh, that's not good. If you call me on Sunday, that's not good. So, of course, I say, well, okay, I'll be there. And I get there, and there was a young man, 25 years old. He was DOA, dead on arrival. He had been thrown, ejected from a vehicle, rear-ended by two drunk drivers racing down Highway 99. Threw him from the car, broke his neck. He was laying out in the bed as I stood over him waiting to figure out what I was going to say to his family. Got more information about him. How they hit just went the day before the Monterey secured a location for he and his wife or his fiance to have their reception. And, of course, that reception didn't happen. And then uh, as his mother came in and she and I conversed a little bit, she shared with me some videos. She said, I want you to look at this video, Pastor. Look at this video. This is a video of his daughter, my granddaughter. And she was saying, Daddy, I love you. Daddy, I love you. And I'm like, oh, God, how am I going to hold it together behind this? Constantly moving forward in this whole process. Three generations of family members come in. Finally, the father arrives, and he is irate, upset. He is ticked off. He says, why didn't you do something? You could have helped my son. Why didn't you help him? And I'm sitting there. I know he, he was angry, but it wasn't that I took that personal. That was not reflected on me. I know he was in pain, and that was just the person, I was just the object of someone that he could lash out at at that particular moment. I just said, God, just give me strength. And the bad part about this whole process, I had to preach after that. You know, God is a God who doesn't waste anything, and so I, I constantly I said, God, I said, God, how am I going to preach after that? Did you see those people coming in there, how their hearts were broken, how they were in anguish? They were just pouring out their soul. But God continues to work through the continuum of being a God of love. And it was like he just tweaked my spirit and said, hey, brother, don't you remember? This ain't your first rodeo. You've done this before. I said, you know, thinking about that, and I remembered, you know how God just kind of brings things back to your memory like that? It was on like in one day in May, I got a call, 7 o'clock in the evening from my brother. My mom had died. Oh, man, I never forget that. You never forget those moments, right? You just say, wow. It's like those times that paralyze you in time. You remember when Martin Luther King was, was killed. You know what you were doing? You remember when John F. Kennedy was killed. You know what you were doing? There are things that you realize that lock you into a time frame that you just cannot erase. My mom had died, and I was saying, boy, oh, boy, I got to preach in the morning. How am I going to preach tomorrow? What am I going to do? I called every pastor I knew. In the Missouri area. Not one of them was standing in the gap for me. Not one. I had to preach that morning. It was tough. Whoo, I remember how my soul just, oh, man, it just did cartwheels, cartwheels. And my wife, my wife for life, that's how I relate to her. Ain't no room for divorce. It's all about life. She stood in the gap with me. She said, don't worry, baby. I'm going to pray for you during this whole process. And I remember that morning I got, I sat in the room alone and I said, oh God, you, 
I'm not going to be able to do this. You're going to have to help me, and God did. But, you know, I think about that, and you can imagine that the contents were under pressure. I mean, I was ready to blow up. I wanted to just let it all go, and there was no place to release it. But so I said, let me go into the pulpit, share what God has given me today. This one brother who constantly went around with me to see me preach and stuff, he said, brother, I've seen you preach a hundred times. That was the best message you ever preached in your life. I don't even remember what I said. I don't remember nothing. But I knew that it was tough. I thank God, you know, for those times when pressure happens. See, because one of the things that God wants us now, this is reserved for a special type of person, a person that God has called into a relationship. You know what they call it? Followers of Jesus. Okay, so if you're a follower of Jesus, there's something that God wants to say to you this morning, and he says that when the contents get under pressure, he's working on you. The fact is, he ain't giving up on you. And you know what? When the contents are under pressure, you know what you should say? He loves me. He's in love with me right now, and he's trying to work something out. See, when pressure happens, it's not an indictment that you've done something wrong. It's a, it's a natural existence of every person that exists under the face of the earth, on the face of the earth. We all exist under some type of pressure. There's something that's going to work in our lives that is going to cause us confusion. The Bible says, hey, it's a natural part of life. Amen? Amen. You know, this process started for me last year in August. I was, uh, well, actually, it started in April, Good Friday. I was doing a communion service at the hospital. One of the things I tell you, the hospital is my church. They got 1,400 employees, of, uh, 300 patients regularly, and I get a chance to talk about God all day to every one of them. And you know what? And many of them make an appointment to come to see me to talk about God. Isn't that something? Oh, man. I love it. Some people say, I don't know how you do that job. That's the best job I've ever had in my life. I talk about Jesus. You know what? I, not only do I talk about Jesus, I see Jesus at work, and I see people get healed. I've seen people come back from the dead. I've seen all kind of stuff. And the fact is, you know what it does? It raises my confidence in what I do. It lets me know that my prayers are answered. It lets me know that what I do works. And it lets me have confidence in the God that I serve. And, that knows, and I know that he's able if he wants to. That's all I can say. And I know that's good. I know that's good. You know, so on that day in April, as I was uh, doing that communion service, and I said, borrow some communion trays from across the street. In Turlock, they've kind of designed things a little bit where they kind of handle old people like myself. You know, they got the retirement center across the street. They got the, the convalescent center next door. So we kind of, we, we do things, we do things on a religious level. We try to give communion and we try to lay hands on people. We pray for people all the time. So those are things that we do. This particular day, I took the communion trays back. On the way back, I kind of staggered a little bit. I said, what's up with that? I felt kind of weird. I didn't, you know, hadn't run into that before. So I go in. I said, when I get in the building, it's cool. It's only 104 out here. When I get in the, get in the building, it'll be cooler and I'll feel better. I know it'll be a little bit, you know, I should be, I should be right, right? I go in, I still felt weird. Wash my face, that didn't help. Usually you wash your face and hands, it kind of cleans up stuff, right? Didn't that time. But the fact was, I said, I got a little cloud at the hospital. So I go into ED and I say to the uh, emergency room supervisor, can you check my blood pressure? 
confident that it's going to be good. 240 over 104. I said, I don't think that's good. <laughs> and they told me that you're not leaving here. You're going either to the emergency room or you're going to urgent care. Which one did you choose? And the doc came in and said, he's going to be right here. We're going to take care of him. They admitted me. My wife was there probably in 10 minutes. She showed up at my bedside. What's going on? I said, I don't know. Blood pressure side. Anyway, they figured it out. They let me out in three days. Three days. Let me out on good. No, Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday, I rose again. Anyway, got out Easter Sunday, but still hadn't figured out the problem with the blood pressure. What was up with that? Why is that spiking? Blood pressure is always 122 over 80. What's the deal? So there was a passage of scripture that I read this particular August, one year ago, almost to the day. And it was this one. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access to him by, by faith into this grace into which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope and glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our afflictions. Have you ever heard anything like that? Rejoice in our afflictions. But because we know that afflictions produce endurance, and endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope, we, have, we will not disappoint because God's love has been poured out on our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he has given us. I said, wow. I read that particular passage of Scripture that morning. I said, no, God, you ain't telling me that. You aren't telling me that. You know, sometimes when you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, when you enter the word each and every day, when you're experiencing God like he's called you to experience, sometimes he'll let you read through the lines. He'll say things through the cracks. And this particular time he said, you have cancer. That was not what I wanted to hear, but that's what I experienced. Ah, I remember going to work that morning. I left the house early. I said, let me get out of here and go to the house. I didn't want to tell my wife what I was thinking or what was going on in my brain. Got to the office and uh, sitting there at my desk, I kind of finally settled down. And my oncologist walks in. He says, Robert, I need to talk to you. I says, I already know Mohammed, good brother. It's my brother. Mohammed said, what's up, bro? I said, well, I know I got cancer. He says, how did you know? I said, it's a long story. But I'll tell you about it. But he said, the basic cancers you have, he said, they've done some real great strides in it. He says, there's a guy at Stanford. He's able to do miraculous things with this cancer thing. He says, this particular type of cancer, he's an expert. He'll be able to show you uh, or do things with you that you won't be able to do anywhere else. Well, you know what? In the back of my mind, I knew he was right. When, before I came back to California, before I left the church that I served, I worked at a hospital called University of Kansas Hospital. In the, in the Midwest, it's like the Stanford of the Midwest. So having access to all of the doctors, I was able to look in and find an oncologist because I am a survivor from the 90s. So that's something that I've always checked regularly, monthly, making my regimen to make sure I didn't get that crap again. Anyway, I called this doctor. He says, I see you. And he'd been checking me, and my, my readings and everything were great all the time. So when I was getting ready to make my transition back here, my wife and I says, wow, all these places are calling you for jobs. This is great. A job in 
Seattle, a job in Denver. Which one are you going to take? Hey, I don't know, you know. Jesus, it's all good. But you know what? Neither one of them called me back. They, said, they didn't call me back. I said, out of the out of the mind? They don't know that, what they get. Anyway, they didn't call me. <laughs> a week or so later, I got a call out of the blue from this gentleman in Turlock, California. He says, hi, Robert. He says, you don't know me. I got your name from a guy in Chicago. He says, uh, I'm Terry Gray. I says, well, I like your first name. My brother's name is Terry, so I remember that. He says, if you think you like my first name, you're going to love my middle name. I said, what is it? It's Robert. <laughs> I said, oh, okay, so you got my attention now, brother. So what do you want to talk to me about? Well, he said, we got a position here that we want to talk to you about. Now I'm going to make a long story short. Anyway, what happened, they hired me for this job in Turlock. I had no idea that I had cancer. I mean, at that point, I had no idea I had cancer. I had no idea that they were moving me to Turlock to be served in a Stanford facility so I could be treated by the best, most renowned cancer surgeon in the United States of America. See, when God starts to do something, he don't do it partially. He does the whole thing. And see, so when we get caught with it, I'm going to tell you something, this is reserved for followers. And so when you're, when you're following him, now that doesn't mean, like I said, contents are going to be under pressure. That means that a lot of times, things ain't going to go the way you want them. You know, there was many times, and I'm going to tell you the truth, I felt like, when, I'm going to tell you about this one place I lived, it was called Kansas City. <laughs> Nine years, three months, 13 days, I felt like I was a, one, I was a one-legged man in a butt-kicking contest. <laughs> the fact was, my house was struck by lightning twice, caught on fire once, blazing, flooded three times. Now, if you didn't feel like you was in a one-legged man at a bucket contest, I tell you, you may need to have some research done. That was real. Very painful situations. Those are just like a couple of the caveats. I ain't giving you the real enchiladas. We don't have time for it. But the fact is, God still was able to deliver me from that mess. Next month marks one year since my cancer surgery. September 22nd. I had a, they did some extensive stuff. They cut me from below my navel all the way up to the crack of my chest, the cavity, chest cavity. They took out, resectioned my intestine, scraped my liver, took out my gallbladder, removed, um, Lip notes, and on the 26th of September, I thought God was calling me home. I really did. I felt like I could feel life slipping away. I was feeling weak. Uh, couldn't talk very good. I told my brother, make sure you take care of my wife. I called myself giving up my last rights. Make sure you do this. Make sure you do that. Do, you know, sometimes when you get that little window, you want to take care of it, right? So I wanted to do that. Strange thing happened. I mean, I, that, that particular day, I threw up so much, I lost seven pounds in fluid in, out of my body. And, and, you know, and I just want to give you a glimpse of what God can do with cancer. I'm 40 pounds lighter than I was the last time you saw me. So <laughs> praise God. He does good work. Cancer is not a death sentence. I want you to know that. I'm going to say this. You know, cancer could have killed me, but the fact is, what are we working so hard to do 
in this whole spiritual life. We're working closer. We're working to get close to Jesus, right? But nobody wants to die. And, the, and, and God says, the only way you're going to get to me is that you're going to die. But I don't want to die, Lord. Not right now. I got so much to do. We're looking for eternal life in the wrong places. You know, we can't find it in our Lexuses. We can't find it in our homes. We can't find it in our children. We can't find it in none of that stuff. We only can find it in Jesus. And Jesus did all of what he did to make sure that we had the right coordinates, the right locale, the right destination so that we could arrive there. So I thank God for a successful outcome with my cancer. And, you know, God is not looking for us to measure how big the challenge is. He wants to see how we respond to the challenge. See, because the challenge is, will you trust me when it gets hot? When the pressure gets on, will you really continue to love me like you say you love me? See, those are questions that I had to ask. He put that all to the test for me. He says, you're going to love me through this pain? You're going to love me through this heartache? You're going to love me when you think I'm not there. See, God is always there. He's never leaving you. He's never going to forsake you. He said, will you face the challenge alone or will you face it with me? See, one of the things when we face challenges is that the things that get in our way is our pride, our arrogance, our ego. And you know what ego stands for? Edging out God. That's all it is. When we edge out God, how do we expect to get blessed? When we say, God, I don't need you. I got this, Lord. I got this. This is a little thing. It's a little thing. I got this. But it's really not a little thing. He wants to be involved in the little things so he can elevate you to a greater thing so that he can walk you through that process and allow you to be victorious. See, if we're not trusting him with the little things now, how are you going to say, Lord, I'm losing my house. Foreclosure set in. What am I going to do? They're going to repossess my car today. My kids left me and they don't talk to me no more, God. What are we going to do? I hope. What do we trust when that kind of stuff happens? See, that's what God says where the rubber meets the road. See, one the thing that I talk about Kansas City a lot, because I don't want to go back. But the fact <laughs> is, it's not just that. Kansas City was the mechanism that God used to transform me. He says, I'm going to show you things through this particular uh, peril of life that's going to elevate you in some areas for life. The fact is, when God allowed cancer to come into my life, I could have said, woe is me, I got it again. I'm going to die. And Jesus is going to swoop me up. I could have said that, but I didn't. I said, I happened to stumble over an article by John Piper. And it said, don't waste your cancer. How would I run into something like that? Where would would it? Hey, I wasn't in the library. I wasn't looking through nothing to find that. But this this particular article was in there. And I read this document, and it was so profound. And when I went through my cancer process, now, you know, I started to think about it. The hospital I serve in, on the eastern side, there's this big center, and it's called the Cancer Center. I spent a lot of time there, not only as a patient, but as an encourager. See, God doesn't waste anything. He allows me to take my cancer into that building and share. He allows these people to see me getting my injections once a month. 
He, these people know that I'm going to be in treatment for the rest of my life. But the fact is, they don't see me coming in like, woe is me. They see me coming in like I serve a God who's able. I am confident in my Savior. I know my God can say in one minute, take that cancer back to the pit. I'm taking my son on out of here, and I'm going to let him live, and I'm going to let him live powerfully because my power is made perfect in weakness. And when I feel weak, I know he's strong, and I can stand in a gap with him. See, that's the confidence that God wants to take you to through your pressure, through your struggles, through the things that are taking you to hell. He wants to work through that because he doesn't waste that stuff. He uses every bit. And the beauty of it is it's not just for you. It's not just for you and it's not just for me. We're there to use each and every one of these things to, for the glory of God, to talk about how good he is, to see how faithful he's been, how he brought me through when I didn't feel like I was worthy to be brought through. God is willing to tear heaven apart to get to you. He proved that to me. He said, brother, I'm getting you out of Kansas City. Lord, you can have my heart. You got me. <laughs> Whatever you want. Rank me with whom y'all want. Put me to door. Put me to suffer. Let me be employed for thee, laid low for thee. Y'all know that stuff. Y'all know that stuff. Come on now. That's what God is talking about. He said, I want to get your attention. He says, I'm going to let pressure come into your life so I can get your attention. He says, because you know what? If I don't let pressure happen to you, you won't give me your focus. Oh, no, God, my car's running good. I don't need you now. I'll call you later. Oh, God, my, my, my kids are acting right. I don't need you, God. Oh, God, my house. Uh-oh. Lord help. That's how we do, right? When things start to go wrong, Lord help. Jesus. Every new ride, tongue confess. I remember that one. <laughs> When, so when the heat gets on, before that, we're not willing. When pressure is on, how do my followers respond? That's what God is concerned about. Is he our true source? Is he your true source? Will you call on him when it's good? When it's good? God, it's a great day today. Thank you for waking me up this morning. Thank you for letting me smell the air, the coffee, the trees, the leaves, all of that stuff, God. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for that, God. Praise you. That's how it works. But you know, God uses pressure to form us. God uses pressure to train us. God uses pressure to draw us. And God wants us near him. That's where our, play, our rightful place is. How do you think we're going to get to the right hand of the Father? Next to Jesus. We've got to be drawn there. God uses pressure, and all of Jesus' followers will have pressure. God says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world, you're going to have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. But be of good cheer, take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted. Woo, God ain't playing. For I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Y'all yes. give God some praise. That's some deep stuff. That didn't come from me. That came from him. He's saying, look, pressure produces mature followers. Mature followers. So, hey, I'm going to tell you a secret. Christians don't mature until they get to Jesus. 
And you know when we get there? In heaven. That's when we really mature because we're in the realm of where God is doing his best work. Well, he does good work everywhere, but the fact is he wants to do good work in us. That's the key. God, who calls God when they have all they need? Nobody. Nobody that I know. I, you don't know. The Bible says <laughs> we face trials. We're going to have that. And he uses that pressure to get our attention. I love the way it's written in the, in the message when James talks about it in James 1, ver, uh, verse 2. He says, consider it a sheer gift. Friends, when tests and challenges come from all sides, you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't get out of, a, out of, thing, get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you become mature, well-developed, not deficient in any way. See, God doesn't want us to be deficient. He wants us to be able to walk into these pressurized situations because we're the models that God wants to use to transform a world that's broken. The broken world is watching you. How are you responding under pressure? Are the contents under pressure you have you saying words that we aren't supposed to say? Is having you have actions that we're not supposed to do? See, pressure does a lot of great things. One of my friends always used to tell me, he said, pressure, bust a pipe. <laughs> That's the way he said it. He didn't say pressure, burst a pipe. He said pressure, bust a pipe. But the fact is it will. But pressure will not burst the follower of Jesus. True followers of Jesus, God capsulizes. He insulates. He keeps us from the, the dauntings of the enemy. He makes sure that we're secure in him. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. No harm will come to you. Nothing can snatch you out of my hand. Read the word. That's what it says. I'm telling you. God even knew I was going to be sweating up. He just tissue down, right? <laughs> he, he just, he's just on it. See, God wants our attitude to change about how we relate to him. He wants us to really approach him in confidence and power. See, God is saying to us, he says he wants to have the attitude like Job. Job said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of God. Do we ever think like that when things come on us? Most of the time, I'll tell you, I don't. You're talking about, what? Consider it pure joy. When trouble, trouble, our pressure, Uh uh-uh, I don't want that. I want to live in harmony. What about the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, that guards my heart and mind? I want that kind of stuff. I don't want that other thing, that person you're talking about. I'll be good. But, but see, but God says, I want you to know that when you're in the struggle, I provide each and every need. You can count on me. You can trust me. And you know what? God finally has got me to that point. He's fine. You know what? It took 62 years. So some of y'all might be younger. You might have some work. But the fact <laughs> is, he has got me to that point where I can say I'm confident. I'm not only confident, I'm content. I know that even in bad situations, my God's going to work it out for me. <laughs> I know he is. Everything don't work the way it does. But I stand and I hold on to scriptures such as this. Though the Though the cherry tree does not blossom and the strawberries don't ripen and the apples are worm-eaten and the fields of wheat are stung. Though the sheep pens are sheepless 
and the cattle barns empty. I will sing the joyful praise of my God. I will turn cartwheels for joy of my Savior. I will count on God's rules to prevail, and I will take heart again in his strength. I'll be like the deer. I feel like I am the king of the mountain. I feel confident. Yeah, I got cancer. I got cancer, but some of y'all got other things. We all got stuff. Every face out there, there's a story behind it. And some of them ain't that pleasant. But the fact is, it's a story. But you know what? God wants to change the story. God wants to tell you that I can make that story into a beautiful symphony of music. See, I'm the one who put melody in the flowers. I'm the one who make birds give them their song. See, yeah, well, something, about, something about God make you want to get your groove on, make you want to. <laughs> I know how it works. Praise him. Praise him. He liked that. See, one of the beautiful things is when we approach God with the pressures of our life, with a good attitude, we can do this. We know that God can take our greatest mess and turn it into a message. He can take our greatest test and turn it into a testimony. See, many of us, many of us, we have been through a little test, but we ain't got no money because we ain't started to put it associated together, knowing that the pressure is a part of the test that makes it a testimony. So when we got money and we got tests and we put it together, it's called testimony. That comes from God. He does that. See, we'll never be pressure proof. We're going to always have pressure. But we got to trust God through the pressure. Because our attitude has to change in acceptance. And through that attitude, we're going to have to have this, what God says. We have to change our focus. God says change your focus on whatever is true, whatever is honorable, Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is anything excellent, morally excellent, if there is anything worth, worthy of praise, dwell on these things and let the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard your heart and mind in him. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the honor to praise you. You are such an awesome God. And God, I know that there's individuals right here now at the sound of my voice that need that spiritual adjustment from you. So God, speak to our hearts. You don't want to speak to our heads. You want to really lower that voice about 11 inches to our hearts where we can really really get focus from your voice. So God, in your hands, this whole congregation, every person here, even those, God, that we've been praying for prior to coming in the door, we ask God for your deliverance. We ask God for your presence to be a part of just who they are, not only in reconciling relationships or any of those things that need to happen. God, I praise you for being my source. You're the source of not only my joy and my affection, but, God, for my every need, my every desire, my every hope. Lord, it's you that we want to praise and we want to please. So, God, thank you for the honor again to talk about you the greatest thing that's ever happened in my life. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this installment of Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church located at 47385 Warm Springs Boulevard, Fremont, California. We can be found on the web at www.sobcc.org. 
We'd like to take a moment to invite you to come and join us in person for one of our dynamic Sunday morning worship services. Services begin at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. each Sunday, and we would be so blessed to have you come worship with us. We'd also love to hear from you a word about how this ministry is helping you renew your mind for the glory of Jesus Christ. So please contact us, and we pray God's blessings over you the rest of this day. God bless.